You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, back with another episode of From the Rafters. Uh, Sam and I are here on a Friday uh, with another guest. We have Derek Furland, also known as D for Three, uh, who's with CLNS Media and has his own podcast. So how are you today, Derek? I am good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to talk a lot about the Celtics recently mm-hmm. because my podcast is normally focused on um, the NBA in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like the current game and its history. So no, I appreciate it. And like I said, I feel humbled by the fact that, you know, you guys have these amazing jerseys up in the background here mm-hmm. and I don't have any Celtics gear. So yeah, man. I feel bad. Yeah. I'm a yeah, big, you always have great tweets about uh, historical mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I love it. Um, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the history of the game, but I still try to watch as much of, um, you know, the current game as possible. Like I have NBA league pass. I've had it for the last few years and whatnot. So, um, and unfortunately I, I watched the Celtics this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the playoffs and, and that wasn't enjoyable at many times. So. No, it was it's very not. stressful. Yeah. To say the least, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, we've been trying to talk as much Celtics as we can lately. It's, it, it gets hard around this time of year, you know, playoffs ended. Uh, it's the time for Twitter trolls and the internet demons to come alive and, uh, you know, bring everything out in full force. So uh, I, I thought we'd start off with some trade rumors and I have in my notes, trade rumors and bullshit uh, that we can talk about today. So um, the first thing, I think the biggest thing going on, Gordon Hayward, you know, everywhere in the media, um, just your initial thoughts on what do you think is going to happen this offseason? Is he going to opt in? Uh, do you think he'll be back on the team? What are your thoughts on the whole Gordon Hayward situation, Derek? I think we're going to run it back. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to opt in. Um, I think these rumors are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I personally do not want Rudy Gobert on this squad. Um, no, I've heard some other rumors um, in, regarding Hay- in regards to Hayward moving him to Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a combination of players, including like Anthony Simmons and um, mm-hmm. Trevor Ariza and whatnot. Um, honestly, I think what we're going to end up doing is running it back. I think a big reason why we lost in the playoffs this year had to do with coaching. And we can get into that um, in a little bit. And I know that's kind of a, a, a thing where, oh, no, don't insult Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> no, I got you. That makes sense. Um, we, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. I wrote an article for um, Bannertown USA uh, about the centers that or I, I titled it potential Celtic centers because that's the big thing. Like Andre Drummond, Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert, all this stuff that the Celtics are going to get. Um, I, I know Sam has some thoughts on trades. Sam's, Sam's not a big fan of trades, right? I'm right, not Sam? a big trade guy. Mm-hmm. Trades, trades give me anxiety, to be honest, because you know what you have, and when you give it away for something that you don't know, it's not the best idea, I don't think. I think it's just too risky. I'm, um, also, I'm also with you with that. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest reasons is, is because I don't think teams give their players enough time to grow together in today's right. game. There's too much movement. Um, this is an incredibly young roster, um, and I think that they need time. And I think that that needs to be adopted like it was back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where these teams were allowed to grow and flourish together 
I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not a big fan of trades and I'm not a big fan of the anxiety it gives me either. So. Yeah. That's a great point you make. Cause like, you know, through the eighties, you've seen bird, McHale, Parrish, they all play together for most of their careers. Nowadays, uh, the big three Miami heat, they play together for four years and then they move on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great point. And if you look through the history, you know, like Jordan and Pippen, they grew together. So did the Celtics. And, you know, it takes time, like just like you said, and the history says that. So that's a great point that you really don't hear a lot these mm-hmm. days. You hear they need to make changes, not mm-hmm. they will be fine. They just need to wait. Right. I mean, you look at the jumps already that somebody like Robert Williams has made. Um, he made a, played a much bigger role this year. He, he ended up um, being a lot better at staying on his feet. He's not jumping around for blocks constantly. He's playing more disciplined. He's, he was operating better on the pick and roll, on the pick and pop. Um, he was sliding his feet better. He came in to the season, even though he had some injuries, he came in in shape and looking explosive. Um, right. So why would you give up? on this young core. And if anything, you give them more minutes, get Carson Edwards out there early in the season, have him play big uh, minutes in the preseason. If there is an extended preseason this year, we don't know what's going to end up happening. Um, Get Romeo Langford who showed moments of brilliance when he was playing, um, being able to guard multiple positions, really active on defense, give him more minutes so he can get more comfortable in his offense etc so i don't i don't agree with um you know let's package these young players and send them away and i don't believe in um the whole let's make them sit longer on the bench we want these guys we want these players to grow so i know yeah i agree with you i do not mind well let me try and phrase this the best way you don't want them to sit on the bench for too long but i think a little bit does help. Like, I feel like the first season getting to watch and kind of learn, like, you know, we saw Jalen Brown make a really big jump once he got the opportunity his second year. And, you know, a lot of people we talk to, they'll say Romeo is in the very similar spot. And another thing that confuses me is people are so willing to throw Romeo into trades like nothing. He is always in there and he's got, I mean, you don't even know what you have with him yet. He's been injured. And when he was out there, he got to start a couple games. I think Orlando and Atlanta he played against, and he played terrific. There was yeah. no complaints. So, I mean, throwing, getting rid of him right now is just so ridiculous to even think about. Yeah, I think the thing that I look back on is players that we've given up on in the past. I look at players like right. Chauncey Billups or Joe Johnson, where we gave up on them early. Um, even a player like Etwan Moore, if you remember correctly, he didn't do too much with the Celtics. And then what ended up happening was, is he got minutes somewhere else and flourished. He was a perfect yep. three and D player for quite a while. Um, even up until recently with the Pelicans and whatnot. So I, I completely agree with that. Um, I like what the Bucks did when they had Thon maker and they were putting him out there for spot starts during the season. And what they were doing was they were having him start the game and play the first 10, 12 minutes or whatnot, or even maybe the first eight minutes. And then if he was performing well, if he showed confidence on the floor and he was impacting the game in a positive way, they would let him play a little bit more and bring him in a little bit later in the game. So I'd love to see something like that with this current roster where, hey, you know what? Give Romeo Langford a spot start. Let's see how he does to start the game. See if that brings up his confidence, because you know that brings players' confidence up. Oh, yeah, of course, especially at the Garden getting introduced in front of the home fans, pump shot. Exactly. I mean, and that goes back to, you know, like, you know, even like when I played in high school, just the fact that 
you know, you were introduced in like the starting five. It was like, oh, this yeah. is cool. They're introducing my name. Right. So, I mean, that translates to the NBA as well. So I completely agree. I'd, I'd like to see the Celtics try something along those lines. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Romeo, the defensive potential is there clearly and the shooting is there. Like we saw shooting in, uh, against Atlanta, I think the game you brought up, Sam, was huge. Um, right. Derek, you brought up Carson Edwards, and I think that's personally one of the biggest question marks on the Celtics still. And then the question after that is, Sam and I always talk about Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters. Um, me and Sam are both really big on Tremont Waters, and it's not that we're not big on Carson. It's just the question mark because he had this huge role at Purdue. He led them uh, throughout the March Madness tournament, and then he got to the Celtics, and that's probably the biggest change he's had uh, throughout his entire basketball career. So do you think Waters and Edwards can coexist on the same team? And what role do you see each of them kind of having uh, moving forward I with do. Boston? And, uh, I, and I also think that they can actually um, play on the floor at the same time too, mm -hmm. at times, because Carson Edwards is more of that Eddie House role. He's more of that spot up shooter. He's not going to be bringing up the ball a lot. I think you can still use him, especially in this small ball NBA where teams are going small and it's all about spacing and whatnot. I think Tremont Waters, we just don't know enough about him yet. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen enough of him. Um, but I do think that those two players can coexist and both get minutes. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're very different players. Like you said, like one's offense, one's more defense. Like it, it's weird to think of 5'11", Tremont Waters playing defense, but he, he won defensive right. awards in college. And obviously he was amazing in the G League. Uh, he won rookie of the year down there. So um, I'll ask you this too. We kind of danced around the topic a lot. Uh, last week on the show, we discussed which rookie do you think has the potential to take the biggest leap uh, next season in terms of, and not necessarily not necessarily minutes, but impact. Like, which rookie do you think will have the biggest impact next season? Obviously, Grant this season had a huge impact. Do you think Taco will come in and play? Do you think Waters, Edwards? Like, wh which rookie from this year do you see taking the biggest jump? I think it's probably going to end up being Carson Edwards, and I know that's not the popular opinion. I do. Um, I remember how explosive he was in the summer league if you remember correctly how confident he was if he finds that level of confidence in the nba he is tailor-made for this nba right out of anybody out of any other rookies in my opinion he is tailor-made for this nba and i also just want to be able to call him c4 because his first name's carson so like he's That's actually explosive. great yeah you know c4 going off c4 explosive <laughs> A C4 explosion. Um, but so I would say him. I, I think that Romeo Lankford is probably going to get um, the most minutes. Um, and yeah. we'll see if that has to do with some load management. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to say, like I said, I think we're going to run it back. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gordon Hayward taking back to backs off and, and whatnot. Um, and there being more time for, um, for Romeo. So, and Taco, I just want to point something out about that. <laughs> He is and can be useful in this league. I yeah, really do believe that. I, yeah. And yeah. the reason is, is because he moves better side to side and covers more area than many bigs in the NBA right now. This whole, oh, he won't be able to switch out on a guard. Have you guys seen um, Nikola Jokic? Have yeah. you seen him try to switch out? Yeah. Even Gobert. Right. Him and right. Gobert. Right. Exactly. Rudy Gobert. Of Curry spinning him around. Right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, one of my biggest problems um, during the playoffs was when Brad Stevens, when Daniel Tice had to come out of the game and Bam Adebayo had just scored a couple buckets, he subbed in Cantor 
and bam, right away, pun intended, bam, gets three buckets <laughs> in a row, including a basket and foul right over Kent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. That was, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, it, it was a stupid coaching decision because at that point, I'm not saying bring in Taco, but what I would have liked to see was them bring in Robert Williams because Robert Williams had the energy. He had the length. He was going to be that guy. He's that disruptor, right? Mm-hmm. When you think disruptor, you don't think Cantor <laughs> on, the, on the defensive end. No, and, you do not. Right. And when you think about switching in the pick and roll and in the pick and pop and being able to cover that pick and roll that we were, they were killing us with, you don't go to Cantor there. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge swing in a close game. And that's why I say coaching. Like, we could have been in the NBA yeah. Finals. Absolutely could have been. They an entire been. half of basketball. I'm going to rant here for a second. Yeah, yeah. An entire fine. half of an entire half of basketball where they are in zone and we don't make one adjustment, not one adjustment. The Miami Heat were in zone and we didn't make one adjustment. We were firing threes up over the zone from the top of the key early in the shot clock. We had no leadership from anybody on the team. Nobody calming things down. No timeout to say, "Hey, guys, listen." Jalen Brown is wide open on the other side of the floor. When you start to penetrate, why don't we try to get some penetration and pass it to him to break down the zone, which all of us learned when we were little, like the the point is, is that there were many opportunities. And then, and and then Jason Tatum, not being able to score on smaller players bugs the hell out of me during the Toronto series. There were so many times where Fred Van Vliet was switched onto Jason Tatum and he would either pass it off or not look at the hoop, or he would um, get completely shut down by him. He wouldn't be able to shoot over him. That should be barbecue chicken every single Mm -hmm. time. And one of the things that I think that we need to do with our team is continue to not continue to allow these players to shoot in open space and allow them to attack mismatches Mm -hmm. and i think that we don't do enough of that and i think we almost lost the toronto series and that was one of the big results oh that and switching everything (laughs) i don't understand switching everything because you don't have to no if if you have to switch then switch but don't do it by default and just create a mismatch for like free they were doing it in miami sam they're just they were getting kills they're just switching places they're not there's no there's no screen they're just like, hey, you know what? We're going to switch places and give, give you guys a mismatch. Oh, you want Ke- right. you want Jimmy Butler on Kemba Walker right under the hoop? Sure, we'll give you that. Just yeah. switch places. Like, it's the it, it is that. absolutely ridiculous. And my biggest problem with that is it's not necessary. There's nothing about the quote-unquote evolution of the game that says just switching places with somebody to get a mismatch is a good idea, right? Yeah. Like, on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's my rant. Those are things that bug the hell out of me. And the fact that Brad Stevens didn't make any adjustments and he continued to allow that to happen at key moments of the games Mm -hmm. just was frustrating. Yeah, so... See, I... Sorry, Jack. No, 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 go, yeah. I usually have an issue when people um, tend to blame Brad Stevens, but the way you're doing it is okay. And I want people listening to understand this... (laughs) Because you're educated about what you're complaining about. <laughs> you're not just watching them lose and saying, oh, it's the coach's fault. Right. Here, here's because the thing. It part, isn't always necessarily yeah. that. Part of the coach's job is to settle things down. 
and to make adjustments. If I watch an entire half of basketball where no adjustments are made and nothing is settled down and we're throwing air at passes whenever there's any pressure and there's no, no, no cohesion on the floor, some of that does have to do with the coach because it is their job to make adjustments, right? right. So um, I like Brad Stevens. Um, I love Brad Stevens. I yeah. have no problems with Brad Stevens. Overall, I'm just saying that you guys know as well as I do that if execution had been better and the players had been given the appropriate direction, there is a very good chance that we move on to the NBA finals. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I still think they should have. Yeah. It's not could have. Oh, yes. Well, there they, were better teams. Golden opportunity to go to the finals. And yeah. they, they, moved, they messed it up. And I think that's why there was so much, um, you know, bad takes, which we'll get into. So many bad takes, bad trade ideas, bad everything from the, the casual fan because they don't understand, you know, the way you put things that, you know, the adjustments aren't major that they need to make. Mm-hmm. It just they just need to be a little bit better, and blowing up the team doesn't necessarily um, yeah. result in that. Right, the way I as look we've at seen, it is, and I'm going to go back to 2018 for a second. So sure. the Celtics lost Game Seven, 85 to 79, I believe, to Cleveland, 79 points. What happened in that game? Bombing too many threes, constantly, right? Constantly bombing from three. We even had, um, I believe, it was Rozier that went zero for eleven that game from three point and we only scored 79 points in that game go back and watch that game and look how many opportunities we had to attack the basket we put no pressure on the defense all game and we just continued to fire and a lot of times those were fire those firing at the um like early in the shot clock what happens when you shoot deep threes deep contested threes and you shoot them early in the shot clock most of the time those rebounds are back rimmed or they're front rimmed and they come off hard and it allows the other team to run Right. It doesn't count count as a turnover in the box score. But if we're being completely honest, that is a turnover. If you're going to take a stupid shot that has less than a 30 percent chance of going in, often less than 20 percent if you're contested for a lot of players, if you're going to take that shot and you're going to ignite a fast break, I don't care if it doesn't show up as a turnover on the stat sheet. I'm counting that as a turnover. And in that game, out of Rozier's threes that were missed, I would say a bunch of them should have been counted as turnovers because they were stupid shots. So, yeah, I think the idea of good shots has kind of lost its way because Jason Tatum, like as much as we love Tatum, some of those threes, like when the Celtics, what it was like two for 14 in the final quarter against the Heat from three stupid shots, like they shot themselves out of the game, they shot themselves in the foot. And all of it is coming from this idea that and, and this is what I wanted to talk about next, um, since we're on the topic of coaching and you wanted to talk about that a little bit, the idea that they need to play catch up. Like, they need to shoot all these threes in order to get back in the game. It, it, they they play in panic mode, is what I called it, um, during the Miami series. And that's why they lost some of the games in the Raptors series, too, because they played in panic mode. They, there's no composure. And like you said, it's the coach's job to kind of bring the team together. And while you can't always blame Brad Stevens, obviously, like like you were saying and like Sam pointed out, when you can have evidence to back it up, you can. But one of Sam's favorite things to do is go on, like I bring him tweets and show him tweets and he'll just quote tweet it and call them moron because he's like, what is it you say? If you, you need to take a test in order to be able to tweet about the Celtics, Sam? You should, you should have, there's a lot of things you should have to take a test for regarding the Celtics, but <laughs> one of them is tweeting. Like you should have to like pass, like a make like nine to 10, like 
questions just to make well, sure NBA you're not Twitter like, is, NBA Twitter bullshit. is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah I is. agree. NBA Twitter is a nightmare. It's a mess. Hey. Um, I want to point something out really quick, too, yeah. to that point. We need a leader on the floor. See, the thing is, is that you had players, uh, I'm just going to bring up some names, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan, um, guys like that, uh, Kobe Bryant, those got Dwayne Wade, those guys were leaders on the floor. You didn't have to have a coach even to tell those guys, hey, settle it down. Most of the time, those guys knew when to settle it down. We don't have that. Jason Tatum, like you said, his shot selection, especially late in games, sometimes he's firing up a 30 foot three contested for no reason while dribbling down the clock. Like, don't pull that hard and crap. I, I, I'm, I'm not happy with that. You know, Kemba Walker, um, as you guys know, he didn't look comfortable for most of the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, yeah. He was definitely not poised. And when the Heat did do that, um, that extended zone and they were um, zoning up for that entire half, he was throwing air and passes. He was um, he was fumbling the ball. He wasn't confident. We need a we need a team of players who have that um, have that maturity mentally in order to, um, you know, calm things down, even if the coach doesn't say anything. Gordon Hayward is kind of that player. He is one of those guys that can do that. Um, but I just don't think he's been all there. That's the thing. I, I just don't think he's been healthy enough. I don't think he's been there 100% mentally either. So. And it's not fair to him because, as we mentioned all the time, he was playing a terrific season before he broke his hand. And yep. he was also terrific in the bubble before he hurt his ankle. Yep. So, And then he came back early. While his wife was pregnant, missed the birth of his first and only son, and people are upset with him because he didn't play um, at an all-star caliber level, um, which is an issue because it makes us as fans look really bad. Yeah, um, really bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. So, I mean, Gordon Hayward is good. If you don't think so, you probably don't pay attention. And he... The Celtics are better with him on this team rather than without. Mm -hmm. And I also do not see any good reason why he would leave, uh, you know, want to leave, maybe other than the fans coming down on him so hard, but that probably would happen just That's what anywhere. I've seen. That's the rumor that I've seen is, like, uh, par partially. I don't think that has any influence on his decision. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of players do have the ability to tune that out, and I think that he's one of them. I think that I agree with you 100%. I think Gordon Hayward is incredibly valuable. I think he's probably the most mature player that we would be, you know, be taking the floor next season for us. And a healthy Hayward often does play at that all-star level. Mm -hmm. um, people like to nitpick and say, um, you know, and attack his game. Um, but he literally does so much that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He sets the tempo. He's often the hockey assist guy um, because mm -hmm. he makes good decisions. Hockey assists don't count in the box score. Um, he's that point forward um, who can guard multiple positions. Like, I, I honestly think that Hayward should stay in Celtic screen and it should be a priority to um, hopefully get him healthy. And he's just, he's mm -hmm. good for us. So. Yeah, he could have been an all-star this year if he was healthy oh, yeah. through the whole year. 100%. Sure. 100%. He was yeah. playing at that level. He was the best player on this team at times. Mm -hmm. um, plenty of people have said he was the best player in the bubble up until his injury. Um, but so we're talking about Hayward. Derek, what would be your ideal offseason this season for the Celtics? Here's my problem. I said this before the season when the Lakers announced their lineup. <laughs> Nobody was going to be able to contend with their size. I said that the Clippers weren't a real um, a, a real contender. I said this well before the season. Um, I said that the Rockets 
weren't going to be a true con- contender after they got rid of Cape- um, Capella, one of the dumbest moves in yeah. history. You know, I brought this up on my podcast. I said, you know, back when in in the 90s and back in my day, back in the <laughs> 90s and 2000s and whatnot, what you did was you prepared for the contender. You were pe- prepared for the opponent. The reason why the Chicago Bulls got Luke Longley was so he could bang with Shaq, right? That's the whole reason why the Bulls went after Luke Longley. They're like, you know what? The Orlando Magic are going to be the, t- the team that we're going to need to beat in the playoffs. We're going to need somebody to bang with Luke Longley. I don't know what Daryl Morey was thinking. I don't know um, how he thought that having a 6'5 center and letting Nene walk and getting rid of Capella and all of this stuff was going to net him a win against the toughest opponent in his conference. That makes absolutely no sense. You could see it from a mile away. Even these the most casual fans could see that the Rockets were going to have an exit from the Lakers. It was like, oh, they don't have a center. That's probably not a good idea. No, right, exactly. (laughs) And the other point is, is it wasn't just that the Lakers had a center. It's that they went three centers deep, okay? So they had JaVale McGee playing eight to 12 minutes a game. Whether you guys think that's a lot of minutes or not, it doesn't look big on the box score, but that's an entire quarter of a game. They had Dwight Howard coming in and playing big minutes. Kyle Kuzma is 6'10". That's five inches um, taller than who the Rockets tried to roll out at center. So. They went with size, and I don't care what area you're playing with. If you're shooting those shots close to the basket uncontested, you have a much better chance of winning. And uh, that's why I said from the onset of the season, I said, I didn't think the Clippers were a contender. I didn't think that the Rockets were a contender. I didn't think anybody in the – I thought it was going to be what happened. Mm-hmm. Lakers win. Yeah, uh, Miami, I didn't predict them going to the finals, but it just tells you how weak the East is. Yeah, and, and the craziest part is P.J. Tucker's not even a bad player. He's just short. Like, P.J. Tucker's a good NBA player, in my opinion. He's just a power forward. He, he's, a like, a short power forward. I see him as, like, a B-Tech version of Draymond, which is, like, I you can say it, like, compare it how you want. But it, it's just a matter at base level. Like, he's just a foot shorter than the other guys on the floor. So that that begs yeah. the question. Obviously, the Celtics need someone who can – that you could say bang with Embiid, although they kind of dispersed of Embiid pretty they, easily. They are fine. Yeah, but if they need size, is that do you would you make that argument? Do you think the Celtics need size slash rebounding or something down there in the pit? Yeah, is size the biggest issue, or is it is that a myth? I think I think size is an issue, um, but I I think that using the pieces that we have properly um, is important. Um, Daniel Tice. uh, So I'm going to rant a second about Daniel Tice. So Daniel Tice is incredibly talented. Daniel Tice is perfectly made for this era, but they never have him looking at the hoop on these pick and pops. They never have him rolling to the hoop. This is a situation where he has complete blue sky. He is a good shooter. He has complete blue sky from three point and in. And he hardly ever shoots that shot. And he has yeah. that opportunity constantly. We he saw in the playoffs. Use it used right. Daniel Tice could average 15 or 20 points per game based on just taking those looks. And the problem is, is that when you don't take those shots, teams are allowed to camp in the paint. Like when we play, um, you know, if you play Milwaukee and Brooke Lopez is your primary defender, if you're not taking those shots, Brooke Lopez can hang off of you 10 to 5, 10 feet, and he doesn't have to come up. And it allows him to contest at the hoop. It allows him to be a better rebounder, et cetera. Um, so I think we need to use the pieces better that we have. We need to, we need to have Tice be a threat 
on the floor. We need to utilize his game, his range on his shot, and we need to run more stuff for him. Did you see what happened when we were playing? Um, I think it was one of the games in the Toronto series when we were throwing lobs to Tice, when they were actually having Tice rolled to the hoop. Yeah, he was, he was a good finisher like, around the rim. Yeah, too. Right, we exactly. saw this. He has, he has amazing when he was, hands. When we, he was uh, behind Horford last year, Smart yeah. and Tice ran a nice pick and roll the entire year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. why are we doing – and the question is, is why are we not doing that more, right? With teams – so many teams playing four out and even five out, the paint is more open than ever. Why are you not sending bodies? Why are you not sending your size to the hoop? Um, so it's, 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 again, coaching things like that that kind of bug me. Um, but I do think that that is a problem. I also think that patience is just key. Let these yep. guys grow. The Eastern Conference is still weak. Let's be completely honest. Mm-hmm. There's, I think if we're in that position again in another year of maturity, I think we get past the Heat if yep. we were playing them again or another team that we're facing at that point. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't uh, throw the kitchen sink at trying to get a big guy. But use use better use what we have. Mm-hmm. Is basically what I would say. Do you think they'll be able to bring in a veteran like you mentioned? Uh, you know, maybe not the greatness level at this current moment of those players, Wade, Duncan, Dirk, those kind of guys that have the leadership to be on the court. Do you think they will try and bring in somebody that can fill that role at least a little bit, maybe off the bench? I think part of the problem is, is we're really tight as far as um, the cap goes. Yep. Um, I don't know how we would even... Uh, I don't even know how we would put that together. You know, I was looking at it and they were projecting as opposed to getting a veteran. They, you know, some people projected that we would take Jalen Smith from Maryland um, at the number 14 spot. Um, and he's six ten. Um, he averaged like 15 and 10 uh, last season. Um, he's he had two years of college, et cetera. Um, I think more than getting a veteran, I think that we're going to use the pieces we have or try to possibly get a big guy um, in the draft like Jalen. Um, yep. Who, would I like to see that? Yes. Remember when the Pelicans a couple of years ago, they had a Mecca Okafor, they, they picked him up and he was playing yeah. and he was playing spot minutes for <laughs> the Pelicans and he was doing a good job. Like he was doing a good you know, rim protecting and whatnot. That was kind of almost like a P.J. Brown in 08 move by the Pelicans, right, to pick up a veteran like that for that leadership. I would love that. But the problem is, is how many veterans are out there? Think off the top of your head. How many veterans are out there that you would say is a leader? That would be a leader. So I, I got the one I have been hammering on the head since the Miami series. Uh, I really think they should bring Rondo in try and bring him back to be um, a seasoned veteran off the bench. Unfortunately, two titles now. Um, you know, he he's won in Boston. He knows what it takes. Um, he plays tremendously in the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure Wanamaker's deal is up. Not that that gives them a whole lot of space, but he um, could certainly fill that backup role, make better decisions than Wanamaker does at times. And you know, I think he'd be really great for distributing, especially with Tatum Brown. Even if they played Kemba off the ball around him, I think it would work really well. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to having Rondo back. Yeah. Um, I think what happened with Rick Carlisle in Dallas and a couple things that happened in the past, I think it's, um, I think he's hard-headed. I think he's stubborn. Oh, I agree. I, think, I, I agree. Um, But some of the best leaders, Kobe was like that. 
right? Some of the best leaders um, are like that. So yeah, I wouldn't mind. I, I think outside of that, I, I wouldn't mind bringing Isaiah Thomas back. And yeah. okay, I think a lot of that could be just to lift the team up. I don't know what type of role he could play. I personally think that Isaiah Thomas still looked good the last few times I saw him, whether it was with the Wizards or whatnot, or a short stint with the Lakers. I still think he can be a contributor in this league and he looked healthy the last time I saw him, but I think that it would be great for the fans. I think it would lift the team up and he is a veteran um, and he has had success um, and he has had great playoff performances as you guys know. So I wouldn't mind having somebody like him either. Yeah. He'd be great for scoring off the bench, you know, bring the, the only issue that I tend to agree with, with that is only that that would now give you two small guards that aren't particularly great defenders. That's the only issue. Yeah, and then you also have to say, is it worth taking the minutes away from Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters or these guys that we do want to grow, um, especially if this veteran that we'd be bringing back would be on a rental, which is well, what might end up happening. If if you bring him in, right, I, I feel like it could be beneficial to those two guys because oh, yeah. they're both small and they can learn from him because, you know, he had great success. He could have won MVP in that season. He didn't, which is fine. Um, and you know, Tremont Waters, when I watch him, he has similar mechanics to Isaiah going to the basket. It looks so similar if you watch him. So I think if he was to be here, same with Rondo, I think Rondo would be great for Tremont Waters, um, to learn from any, anything, those guys, those guys are going to be future pieces, maybe only one of them, but one of them will be with the Celtics, I'd imagine. So teaching them is super important. Right, and I agree, and I also think that Rondo is going to be a coach someday. So yeah, oh, he's going to be a terrific coach. But he'll be he'll pull the Jason Kidd and get a coaching job probably soon after he retires. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Something else I wanted to bring up. You briefly mentioned it with Jalen Smith. I wanted to talk about the draft a little bit. Um, Sam and I are not experts. We don't pretend we to be clueless. experts. <laughs> I'm not. So, I'm not a college basketball guy. Yeah. So yeah. I did some. I did some research um, and whatnot. Like obviously, we have those four picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know too too much about the prospects. Yeah, so not not even so much about the prospects, but we you hear all this talk about trades, whatever the rumors. Twitter can do Twitter, but do you personally think the smartest move for the Celtics and Danny Ainge is to package the picks to move up? Because last season, everyone assumed Danny Ainge would do some classic stuff where he traded back, got more picks, future assets, but he made all the picks, and all of the guys ended up on the roster, which was pretty unusual in my opinion so i don't see a world that happens again i don't think lightning strikes twice what do you think happens with the picks with the players like what do you see the ideal draft scenario for the celtics being this season i mean we don't have enough roster spots Mm -hmm. yep he has to do something so i think what ends up happening is i do think that he probably packages it up um probably tries to move up in the draft um it's a very thin draft Mm -hmm. this isn't a great draft i just talked about that recently i think on twitter as well um so i mean when Lamelo ball is considered one of the top picks i think we have a weak draft (laughs) i'm not a Lamelo ball guy not a fan Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that's what's going to end up happening we don't have enough roster spots and we like our young talent i really do think that the organization likes the young talent that we currently have so yeah, one of the biggest guys I've seen in the news, I know Sam brought it up, uh, Onyeka Okungwu. I don't, I don't know specifics about him. I just know he's a bigger guy. He's supposed to be really talented, four or five, which is ideally what the Celtics would want. Um, athletic, I know, I like, I'm not going to try to pretend like I know everything, but 
Um, other guys, James Wiseman, I assume, will be in the top three. I know that's the name floating around the number one, number two, number three pick. Um, outside of that, do you think – I'm trying to ask, what positional needs do you think the Celtics should prioritize if they were to move up in the draft? Do you think a big man is it, or do you think if Cole Anthony or like Halliburton or someone's there for shooting, that should be the pick? Or is it best available? I'd like a, I'd like a rim protector. Mm-hmm. I think best available is always safe. I'll just be honest with that. I talked about that on my podcast recently. I think that um, if you go just for positions, um, you end up with some terrible things that happened in the past, right? Like, you know, like Wizards taking Kwame Brown. That was a positional take. That wasn't the best player on the board. That's not the best player they thought um, was going to be in the draft. So I think what, what I would do if I were the Celtics is I would try to get a rim protector. You've got to realize something about Robert Williams. Robert Williams is 6'8". I know people yeah, like to think that he's biggest. tall. Uh, people think that he looks tall and everything. But in reality, um, when we're talking about banging with bigs and we're talking about like being a true rim protector and whatnot, that is going to not just get blocked shots, but disrupt around the hoop. Um, Robert Williams sometimes is overmatched and oversized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that what I would do is if somebody like Jalen um, – uh, Jalen Smith, or if somebody is on the board that does have that size, that would probably be, and there's no better players, like obvious better players, mm-hmm. then I'd probably go for, for that. Yeah, I, I was looking through the prospects because, like I said, I don't I don't know much about them. And they're all pretty short, which is unfortunate. Like, Okongwu is 6'9", Obi Toppin 6'9", Wiseman 7'1", but like I said, he's probably going to go top three. I know the Warriors wanted him, and... It, First of all, it's ridiculous. The Warriors have the second pick. That upsets me. But um, <laughs> um makes one... you wonder did Steph Curry sit out longer just so their record? Oh yeah, he, he yeah. had to have. And there was no point. Genius move. Play, really. Yeah, I yeah. mean they were already out. Smart. Right. But uh, by the way, I'm a huge Curry guy. That's not a knock on. As am I. Yeah, love Curry. Sam's a Curry guy because we'll, we'll ask you this. Um, we'll transition. What are your thoughts on LeBron James? I mean, just general thoughts. Do you like him? Do you hate him? Uh, we're split, so we like to ask whoever we have on the show. <laughs> you guys probably you guys follow me on Twitter. Yeah. So um I think that he is probably the most overrated player in NBA history. Love I it. Really Absolutely do. love it. I think I think um I think the he there's been an agenda for him since he came into the league. He was dubbed the chosen one at like 16 years old. And he re- he received a 100 million dollar contract from Nike before ever stepping a foot on an NBA floor. Um he basically has been promoted hardcore and pushed on people more than I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. Um, I think that his skill set and what he's able to do as far as scoring points and all of that stuff is heavily predicated on the state of basketball today on the fact that he doesn't have great footwork. Um, He's below 38% um, outside of three feet for his career and his playoff career. But because of the way the league is designed today, he can lower his shoulder um, and basically go, they can't touch him. Um, he can lower his shoulder and get into the paint whenever he wants and shoot around 70% under the rim because nobody can be physical with him. There's um, defense, uh, There's the um, restricted area down there as well. So you have players backing up with their hands up and whatnot. Um, and I, I think that he's a, he's a sometimes defender. He's been a sometimes defender his entire career. I think yeah. that, what bothers me a lot is that he played in the worst Eastern conference in NBA history, basically <laughs> his entire career mm-hmm. um, for the most part. 
And the only times he got out is when he joined already established superstars. Um, and that's, you know, Wade and um, Wade and Bosch, and then with Cleveland with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was already a two-time all-star at that point when LeBron joined the Cavs. So what bothers me is that people don't talk that into context. If he's in the Western Conference, and he doesn't stack first off, but if he's in the Western Conference those years, which were winning about 60% of the league's games, that this, those finals appearances would be cut in half or more, mm-hmm. right? So the point is, is that um, when you put context around the situation, one of the most overrated feats are his consecutive mm-hmm. finals appearances. Um, and then again, with LA, I, you know, the writing was on the wall. They promoted the Lakers like crazy. Um, they got Anthony Davis, um, who was probably a top five player in the league the season before they didn't make the playoffs and they weren't going to make the playoffs going by the record in the games that LeBron played. And then all of a sudden LeBron gets the play, all the credit and they, the media treats Anthony Davis like he's Chris Gatlin, mm-hmm. like, like a player, like a, a like a, like a, a Udonis Haslam. They talk about Anthony Davis about as much as they talked about Udonis Haslam when he was on the heat, because they're all talking about LeBron and everything, even though Anthony Davis was the best, best offensive player and defensive player on the Lakers this season so i could go on about this all day if you want to know that's kind of i i don't mind i i yeah. agree with you sam I, hates I, sam hates him i i <laughs> did like we didn't have this show unfortunately last year but it would have been documented that i was saying the lakers weren't going to make the playoffs when he signed uh and they didn't and people people were like yeah it's because he got hurt it's like no it's just because they suck and <laughs> i mean it's true um so yes thank you for making my day <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that I don't F hate, any, I don't hate anybody and I apply context um, with my takes. Um, I have a lot of reasons why I think he's the most overrated. Um, everybody, the media makes it like he has to be a top five player of all time. He's not. He's not not a top five player of, of all time. Um, he's not a top 10 player of all time, in my opinion, um, which is a hot take now. And the only reason why that's a hot take now is because the media made it a hot take. That's why. So, but yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no. We've had this That's debate awesome. many, many, many times. <laughs> Sam, Sam's such a prick. Oh, I, I can't stand him. Sam, See, I think he's a tremendous player, but I just think he's such a prick. Like yeah, you can't you can't root for him. He has a lot of he has a lot of holes in his game, mm-hmm. um, which I've talked about at length, which get kind of put, pr- brushed under the rug because of the league that he's playing in that allows him to barrel down right. the lane. Right, like I said. He doesn't have a good post game. Yeah, he can't shoot. He, he's, he has poor footwork. Um, he's um, the, it put him, and I'll say this again, put him in a more physical era. Go ahead and watch those early 2000s games, guys. Go ahead and go watch those 90s games. He would be ha- being manhandled. Um, and it's not even about manhandling. It's about good discipline defense. And how often do you see good <laughs> discipline defense in the NBA today? Right. Not a whole lot. Right. Not a whole lot. Kyrie Irving in 2019 said in an article, he goes, there is no defense played in the NBA today. Mm-hmm. Go look up that article. He literally said there is no defense being played. Obviously, that's an exaggeration because there are de- there is defense being played. <laughs> but somebody like Kyrie Irving goes, he's talking about the high scores and all of that stuff. And he's just like, listen, you know, there's not a high effort on the defensive end. There's not a lot of good defense being played. And I can see that. You can see that. But how many people do you think are going to call it out or even Nobody. recognize Yeah. Because if you do, then you get um, 
they all the LeBron people come for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You get jumped. They come get, for the show. They pull they jump. listen to it. Oh yeah. yeah, they'll jump you on social media. And now a quick word from our sponsor. See, now, now I'm curious to know your thoughts on some of the other common arguments Sam and I have over and over again. Um, no context. Just what are your thoughts on Kyle Lowry? No context. Just, just what do you, what do you think of him as a player? Same. This is another one of like I'd say I there's. A baby. <laughs> I think he's a baby. I think is um, he any good? Is he good? A player? I think Ky- is he, I think is he Ky- overrated? Kyle Lowry is better than Eric Bledsoe. All right, take yeah, that as you fair. Mean. All right, it's, I'll um, take that too. Yeah. I, I think that I think that he's um, a good leader on the floor. I think he's a pace setter. I think he's a whiny baby. Um, I think that he's a threat from beyond the arc and he's very good at selling contact um, mm-hmm. when he drives. Um, I'd say if I'm going to chalk it up to anything, I'd say he's a good, not great floor general. Yeah. Um, I I don't like the way he plays, but yeah, I'd, I'd say he's, I don't know what you guys think, but yeah, I, yeah. I think he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Sam hates him. If you want to say he's overrated, I absolutely I think he's agree. Oh yeah. He's definitely yeah. overrated. I agree. Yeah. He should he should not be making all star teams. I don't think. No, no. Well, that just tells you the strength of exactly the league. Yeah. To be completely honest with you, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's very good. I, I, said I, that I was just too, curious. Way, I, was, I said the same thing. I was like, "There's no. You want to see how bad the all star teams are? You know, look, Kyle Lowry's on. So yeah, yeah. I, I was just curious. That's another one of the uh, the common debates we have. Um, so something that happened just today. Uh, big moves in the front offices of multiple Eastern Conference teams. I know you mentioned that the East isn't very. Lovely. It isn't very um, good still. Uh, well, the West isn't either. I just want to point that out. The West isn't that great either. So, yeah. But, yeah. This year. This year was not. Yeah. yeah. The Warriors are going to be back. The Warriors are going to be, be better yeah. than ever. I hope they are. Maybe not better than ever. Mm-hmm. But. So the Sixers uh, brought in Daryl Morey, obviously, to run their front office. I know we touched on him briefly. Yeah. Uh, the Nets Perfect. stacked up their coaching staff with D'Antoni as an assistant, Amari Stoudemire, and Ime Aduka from the Sixers as an assistant. Um, obviously, Doc Rivers is going to Philly. No, D- D'Antoni, you said the Nets, right? I'm D- sorry. Yeah, D'Antoni is going to the Nets. I thought you were still talking about Philly. No, I'm no, no. So D'Antoni and Amari Stoudemire to the Nets, and then Doc Rivers, uh, obviously, to the Sixers. Do you see that having any impact? Obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be the biggest impact in the East next year. I would The biggest change, I would say, at least. What do you think that has – do you think it will have a big effect on the standings, the coaching specifically, or the front office? I'm very curious to see what happens in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're an opposite team for Maury. Yeah. Um, they're not a Maury-type team. I think that you are going to see Ben Simmons start shooting more threes. I think they're going to make that a priority. That's and I do actually think that Ben Simmons can shoot them. Yeah. I just don't think that he has the confidence in game mm-hmm. at the moment, but I think, I'm sure they'll try to instill that confidence on him. Um, I think that Joel Embiid is going to continue be having to play away from the basket. And I think what's going to end up happening is that's going to be their downfall mm-hmm. again. So I think that you're not going to see a big difference in the 76ers success. That's just my opinion. Um, not only because the team isn't fit for Maury, um, but because he's going to do a lot of the same things in my opinion that they're already doing Yeah. other than Ben Simmons, probably shooting a little bit more threes. Um, you know, too many players playing away from the basket, no paint presence, all of that stuff. Um, I think that the Nets are intriguing. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really smart move, what they've made with their coaching staff. I think that Steve Nash bringing in Amari Stoudemire is going to be helpful for guys like Jared Allen. Um, 
and whatnot. Um, I think that Jared Allen uh, has the ability. He's, he's kind of an explosive athlete. Yeah. Um, obviously not even close to what Amari Stoudemire was <laughs> in his prime. But I think that Amari um, has a lot of experience, and I think he's going to help that team. And that's a very underrated hiring. I know that he asked Dirk first, from mm-hmm. what I know of. But I think that's a very underrated hiring. Um, and I think that Dan Tony being there is weird because he coached now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's like that's like you like becoming the boss of your boss, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's weird. Um, but I think that the Nets have made some pretty good moves. I'm not a big fan of Mike D'Antoni, especially in the 2010s. Um, but I think that the Nets are going to be good, mm-hmm. and they're going to be damn good. So. Yeah, it's hard not to be good with Kevin Durant, who I would argue is the best scorer of this era, in, in my opinion. But um, you could argue Curry, but that's besides the point. You, you mentioned some big changes with the Sixers. Obviously, Maury signing and Doc Rivers is going to be huge. Do you think Simmons or Embiid gets traded? Not even this season, which I know there are a bunch of rumors, as there always are. Do you think a Simmons or Embiid move is inevitable, or do you think that pairing can work out? I think I think it can work, um, but and I don't think that they're going to do anything as far as moving those pieces. That's mm-hmm. the future right there for Philadelphia. I think I, I do find it funny though, however, that with Houston um, and Daryl Morey parted ways and they tried to make it like it was Morey's decision. He said in an interview, he goes, this is a great time. You know, this is going to be a great break for me. Um, this seemed like the right time to step down and spend more time in my, with my family. And then bam, a week later he's with the Sixers. So um, it makes me think that possibly that he was pushed out. That's um, what that makes me think. Obviously that's me spreading rumors, but yeah. yeah. Makes and, me think that he possibly been pushed out. And if he did get pushed out, moved to Houston for a discussion here, is something going to happen in Houston? Or are they going to run back Westbrook and Harden just, you know, ram their head into a wall for another season where they're not going to do anything, in my opinion, at least? I think they're going to run it back. Um, I think that Westbrook is still in his young prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they probably want to give it one more year. Uh, I, 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 In my opinion, I would if I were them. And the reason is, is because um, how much can you judge after one season? Um, I think that Westbrook is unfairly treated. You, you had this thing where you, I, I feel like you don't like Westbrook just by the look on your face. <laughs> uh, me, or, me or him? Him. Me? Uh, I don't have a huge, I, I don't have a problem. look on his face of disgust. Um, <laughs> I think that Westbrook needs to be the motor and they need to allow him to be a motor. The moment that you turn Westbrook into a jump shooter and you have him playing off the ball is the moment your team falls apart. Mm -hmm. He should be the one that, um, you know, is consistently putting pressure on the defense. Honestly, the Rockets just need to move the ball more. Mm -hmm. If you watch them play, they need to move the ball more. There needs to be less isolation basketball, et cetera. Um, I think that that pairing can do well, but they need a big guy. Mm -hmm. They need a big guy bad. And I don't know how they're going to end up doing if it. If only they had like uh, a Clint Capella or something, that'd be pretty right. pretty good for them. <laughs> um, I, I don't hate Westbrook. I'm I question whether they can play together. Um, that's just my opinion. I think historically they're both very, very, very ball dominant guys. Like like when Harden was on the Rockets, obviously ball dominance. He averaged forty points a night. Westbrook back to back seasons, they were both MVPs for their uh, their teams dominating the ball and just filling up the statue. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It worked. They brought their teams to the playoffs. So obviously they're great players. It's just a matter of can they work together? Because I would agree with you. I think when Westbrook has the ball, the second half of the regular season, Westbrook was phenomenal, right? There was like two or three months where Russell Westbrook was easily the best player on the Rockets. Yeah. 
like, like for that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to point out just kind of like what you said, you know, it's the same thing when they tried to pair stuff on Marbury and Steve Francis in New York. Those were two guys that loved the ball in their hands that were scoring guards and they tried to put them together and that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can see that point of view, but I think what happens is, um, and I've talked about this before, if, if they don't change their approach in the playoffs, they're never going to win. Mm-hmm. They're never going to get past. And if they don't practice um, those, you know, that better play style that will be good and better for the playoffs. If they don't practice that in the, um, in the, um, regular season in order to build consistency then they're never going to win so they they need to have better practices shooting 50 to 60 threes a game in the playoffs is not going to win you anything yeah there's too much inconsistency involved um it's not good shot selection etc yeah and that's my viewpoint i think i've always been big on the idea of oh we need to always try and win i I think that's that's stupid like obviously you try to win but teams like indiana I'll, i'll give you for an example they're, they're not going to win a championship the way that roster is formulated, right? And, and I'm not saying blow it up immediately. Like, obviously, keep, like, TJ Warren's great player. Simone is all-star, right? Keep those players. But, like, I, I don't know. And it's hard because you don't want to just sell all your assets and tank, right? But I feel like the way the Rockets are built, unless they can trade for a center, like you said, or figure out how to get Harden or Westbrook to learn how to not, you know, crave the ball – they're not going to get past the Lakers. They're not going to get past the Clippers. Of course not. So I mean, we can see that before the season even starts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I question whether or not, when is the time to blow it up? If they do, I personally think they should blow it up too. Because I I just don't think I agree with him. I just don't think they're, they they might not be a terrible team. That would be fun for the fans to watch, but are they going to win? Especially without a center? Probably Mm -hmm. not. I don't know what their cap situation that's is like. It could be and okay. That's the point I'm trying to make. They're not going to. So I agree with the fact that if they're not going to go for a big, then yeah. I, but I think that if they had that structure in place of a big and then obviously a big off the bench, um, that's going to be able to bang with the likes of Nurkic, um, Jokic, um, Anthony Davis, you know, guys that they're going to face in the playoffs and stuff like that, then things look a little bit different then that 50 to 60 win season that they're inevitably going to have doesn't possibly go to waste Mm -hmm. because now they have some structure in place that's going to work in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I think if they, I don't think it works and I, and I would consider blowing it up. I don't think it works unless they get that big guy. Mm -hmm. Unless they get a couple. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And a guy I think is perfect. We've seen him in trade rumors to the Celtics a lot. Miles Turner on that Rockets team would, be probably the perfect center because he can shoot. Yeah, that, and that'd be pretty good for them. Great defender, yeah. right? I don't like, know how I don't know how they would swing that, but he would yeah. fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Sam, do you want to start with your your Celtics sure. questions? Yeah. yeah. All right, Derek. So every every time we have a guest on for the first time, I always ask you guys uh, a set of questions. So I'll start off. What is the coolest piece of Celtics memorabilia that you have, and what is the story behind it? It could be autograph, uh, ticket stub, poster. Jersey, whatever, whatever. I have a um, assigned basketball from the 1994 season um, uh, with signatures from, I want to say, Kevin McHale. It's either from 92, 93, 93, 94. I have with signatures from Kevin McHale, um, head coach Chris Ford, um, Kevin Gamble. Uh, I think Ed Pinkney's on there. And there's D Browns on there, Rick Fox signature, all of that. Um, and that was um, something that my grandparents passed down to me because they were actually good friends at one point with Dave, that, where they knew Dave Powitz, 
So oh, really, that's um, awesome. And they met him. Um, they were having dinner um, with him and somebody else. I don't know who it was. And it was like a Celtics event. And they had that basketball, and they went around and got it signed by the players and stuff like that. So I have. Oh, that. That's really awesome. That's, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Especially having like a Kevin McHale signature. That's one of the best people to ever played for the Celtics, even though yeah. he's always overshadowed by Bird. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next is, do you have a favorite um, moment that you've seen besides the championship um, that like in-game moment, like from the Celtics? A lot of people, example would be the Marcus Smart double charges. They love that. Um, Isaiah scoring at will, like that kind of stuff, like the 53 points, anything you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Two moments, um, D. Brown winning the dunk contest um, in, in um, 1991, and then Larry Bird bouncing his face off the floor against the Pacers. Um, yeah, and then he came back. Of the 1991 mm-hmm. playoffs, and then comes That's back awesome, and man. ends up winning. So those are probably um, the two that stick out the most. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome because we always get, like, the like the Marcus Smart double charge mm-hmm. is probably the most popular one, for good reason. That was epic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having old-school moments is so awesome, especially yeah. since, like, you know, the, that Pacers moment is towards the end of Larry's career. So, like, it, it embodies how well he could play even with, like, a blown-up back. So He was still fantastic awesome. in the minutes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's other moments, obviously, in history. Obviously, Pierce, you know, you know talking crap to Al Harrington and then putting a three in his face. Um, the, uh, you know, multiple Antoine Walker banked buzzer shots, which never should have gone in. Terrible shots that made you want to jump on your seat. <laughs> um you know stuff like that so yeah do you have a favorite um game you've gotten to go to uh over the years yeah i saw kobe drop 50 on us um i think it was in the 2000 i want to say it was the 2006 or 2007 season um and seeing that up close i was with my best friend seeing that up close and live was pretty awesome so um he was just in real life when you actually go and watch, when you went, went and watched Kobe play, he looked like he was moving in slow motion, but he just made it look so effortless. Mm-hmm. Like it was the most effortless 50 I think I've ever seen. We left the game being like, did that really just happen? Did you really just score 50? Because it didn't feel like um, I'd say that one of the most impressive players, a little fun fact that I've ever watched going to a Celtics game was Mike James. Um, I went to a game, I think in the 2006 season when he was with Toronto, I think he averaged about 20 that season. Um, and he was just so ridiculous. You you would never know how good he was just by watching him on TV live. Mike James was ridiculous. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack, you're the Jersey guy. Ah, uh, yes. Take it away. Do you have, if any, or how many do you have? Just Celtics jerseys. You got a favorite Celtics jersey? How many do you have? It's always a question I like to ask. Okay, so I, uh, you guys are going to be mad at me because I'm looking at your like what you guys have here. <laughs> I have um, a Paul Pierce jersey, and that's it. Just the um, hey, that's fine. The yeah. black, the black alternate mm-hmm. road jerseys that they wore in 2008. Um, otherwise, I have a ton of jerseys. Um, I have Clyde Drexler. I have Jason mm-hmm. Williams. I have Allen Iverson. Um, I have Michael Jordan. I have um, oh boy, I just I have a lot. Yeah, I have a lot. I have T Mac, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, I collect jerseys from I I can't afford to get them for real, so I, I get them from like these off brand websites. It is what it is, you know, broke college kid, but. Um, I collect them, and Sam always yells at me that I have uh, jerseys outside of a Celtic uniform. So it's not it's not because they're outside of the Celtic. It's just you know, why do you have a Kuzma jersey? I don't like, know. That's why? the random one. I have one for every team. Yeah, 
You have a Kyle Kuzma jersey? Yeah, okay. That was a, pr- a good gift. Sam. I, 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 I didn't order that on. one myself. Never would have come on the show. I'm no. just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a gift. I was I didn't buy that one myself. That was, that was a Christmas gift, right? And this was I, I got it when Kuzma like looked good, and I don't know. I, I liked watching Kuzma for like a brief two months when he was a, a rookie. I think I just like the story of an underdog. So I saw like the 25th pick start being really good on the. Uh, That's how I felt about Linsanity. Yeah. Jeremy, yeah. Like obsession for like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um. I have a jersey from every team in the NBA, and I I think I have everybody on the current Celtics roster. So uh, I I collect a fair amount, but. <laughs> but yeah. See, the thing that people need to understand is, um, so growing up, I never missed a Celtics game. I was the guy, I, we, like we used to sit in front of our TV with a pad of paper and we used to like keep the stats ourselves um, and whatnot. And even like the 96, 97 season, which is one of my favorite seasons of all time, they, they won 15 games that year and I didn't miss a game. I loved it. Um, uh, the NBA to me, I've soured a little bit. Um, not just on the Celtics, but on the sport in general, because of how the game is played now, you know, and a bunch of other things behind it as well. So um, I think that would probably be the biggest reason why I don't have more jerseys. Mm-hmm. I think it's because uh, I'm not super high on the game and the way it's played today. So Yeah, no, that's a very yeah. fair argument. It's definitely the shift is crazy. Like when you watch the old games versus what's happening now, it's, it's right. a huge, huge change, but um. But yeah, Sam, is there anything else you can think of that you wanted to bring up before we start to wrap things no, up? No, I think, I think we put together a good show today. Thank you for coming on, Derek. We appreciate that. Really appreciate no, that. I know I didn't expect you guys to ask me, so the fact that you did, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, for anybody listening, tune in to Holding Court with D for Three um, on Apple Podcasts if you get the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on other platforms as well, so I'm talking real hoop, not just the Celtics, but I do touch on them from every now, every now and then. So. Yeah. You know, I'm really sorry. Um, we meant to talk about 2K today because you always <laughs> are tweeting about NBA 2K. Can we can we do a segment on that? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So Jack and I are both in an online 2K league with each other and a bunch of randoms. Yes, uh, sir. Tell, tell us what you think of the game, uh, what's wrong with it, all kinds of stuff. We'll let you have the floor on it because I know you mm-hmm. always have some thoughts on the game and things like that. Yeah. I think that um... – there's too much frustration. There's more frustration with enjoyment with it. I think that the skating is a big problem. The sliding, um, the lack of foot planning. Um, half the time it looks like your players are skating. And what people don't realize is that something like that doesn't just impact visually. It impacts outcomes. It impacts where your player ends up on the floor. It impacts just doing something simple as far as stepping behind the line and shooting the three, right? Um, right. Or even getting your body in position to catch a pass in the corner and take a three, um, and being behind the line. Um, I think that it's that, I think that there's a issue with two man canned animations. A lot of times you can't control what's happening. You drive, you drive the lane and the game just decides what animation is going to end up happening. So lack of control. I think that, um, user timing is a mess. I think the shot mechanics don't make sense. I think that what ends up happening, and I've shown video of this where somebody will miss seven or eight layups in a row with their cursor right in the middle of the window. And then the night shot that they take, which is outside the window goes in. It just seems like it's completely random from that drives me up a wall. <laughs> it's terrible. when, when, when someone, so I, I'm probably pretty good at timing my shots. Right. And when I see somebody making like shots that are way off the mark and I'm missing the ones right next to the bar, I lose my shit. 
Yeah, like, and the bottom line I get is, so the, upset with 2K. Yeah, and the devs want to try to preach, and I say this all the time. You've probably seen my roster thread. Devs want to preach all the time of, you know, simulation, right? They want right. to talk about, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to give you this simulation experience and all of that stuff. There is nothing skill-based or sim about that shooting system. There's nothing skill-based or sim about the player movement either um as far as getting a first step or getting a catch and go it's sluggish it's slow these players don't move like athletes and it just feels ridiculous so um i think that also defense in that game is an absolute nightmare as Mm -hmm. far as oh yeah i've been experiencing it not only forced blowbys um but you know where you're caught on somebody's side and you can't do anything about it or vice versa but also terrible AI transition defense, um, help defense, double team logic that makes no sense where they leave a guy under the hoop just to score over and over and over, excuse me, over and over again. I think that they have done an amazing job of marketing this game. I mean, they're everywhere. They're in everybody's living room. They have no competition. But if you actually get down to it and you go get to the gameplay experience and, and whatnot, I think it's heavily flawed. And Look at the reviews on Metacritic, under a three from user scores, right? Look at the reviews on Steam, mostly negative. Only like 30% of people are recommending the game. This isn't people just going on and complaining about online connection issues. This is people complaining about the gameplay as well, the microtransaction BS and all of that. Um, So, yeah, I think that we need another competitor in the space, and it's unfortunate that you know, 2K has been able to get away with this. In my opinion, it started with 2K18, um, that they've been able to get away with this over the last four four editions of yeah. the game. It, it's a monopoly. Kyrie being on the cover, first mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Um, it, it is. It is a monopoly. There's no competition, yeah. right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. They, they can't, you know, how, who's going to keep them honest? Mm-hmm. And you, you guys, you guys know, you just want to play a basketball video. Mm-hmm. You just want to hit the virtual hardwood. And even if you don't, necessarily have more fun than frustration with the game you're probably going to still end up buying it because Mm -hmm. it's what your friends are playing it's the only game out there and if you want to get your fix what other option do you have Mm -hmm. i've heard rumors take this as you wish that um live didn't put out a game because they were working towards putting out a new game for next gen i don't know how good live is going to be it hasn't been great in the past uh over the past few years there was a time where live was arguably better than 2k in terms of gameplay obviously the last live was awful just god awful they didn't have their um anything right but maybe there's some hope that even if it's not great it will like you said keep 2k honest because even past the gameplay they just don't like pay attention to the stats i saw something the other day kylo quinn's mid-range is 22 point higher than Jimmy it's Butler's. an 88. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you haven't looked at my roster thread yet, um, uh, pointing out things um, like absolutely ridiculous yeah. 2K rating issues, tendency issues, copy and paste jobs, spreadsheet copy and paste, and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. it's all out there. Oh, and yeah. by the way, all of that, like I've talked about before, the, the tendencies, ratings, all of it impacts the on court experience. Mm-hmm. So right. tendencies um, are more important than you would think tendencies as are a casual player. Right. Because yeah. if you have somebody that has a zero in post-up, which they had Jermaine O'Neal, if you have a guy that's like zero on post-up, he's not going to post up mm-hmm. because his tendencies say zero. If you have a guy that's a zero on three point shot of tendency and he's supposed to take five or six a game in real life, he's not going to shoot a three. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it works. So all these copy and paste jobs and everything, they absolutely affect 
the gameplay. As far as Live 22 goes, you know, they just acquired Scott O'Gallagher from 2K. He's been working on 2K since 2K15 um, as a um, creative director. They just brought on Rob Jones, who used to work, uh, who worked for Madden, you know, worked on the Madden series, but also um, worked for 2K for like 15 or 20 years. They brought him back to EA. Um, so I think that, and they also had job postings for social media managers and whatnot um, for NBA Live specifically. So I think that they are, like you said, building for this gen. And I think that we are going to get an NBA Live 22. Um, and hopefully it's a great game. So. Hopefully it's just better than 2K. Because at this point, like you said, the past few years, it's just like, they don't, it just copy and paste the whole game. And I remember the biggest thing last year, like PJ Washington, who in real life shoots three, shoots threes well. And that was the biggest thing with this game. Just didn't take them. It, it's and the biggest thing for me is I, I saw a video on this. I watched King of the Fourth Quarter on YouTube, and he explains it. Um, offensive and defensive consistency rating, like John Isaac, who in real life is one of the best up and coming defenders, he averages five points in two K throughout a season. Robert Covington averages thirty percent from the field and twenty two percent from three. It just it's just like it's like they don't watch basketball. You're talking to me about it, right? Yeah. The thing is, is we'll talk about it and we'll complain about it. Uh-huh. And some people will like be like, oh my God, this is terrible. But hardly anybody speaks up about it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And that's what makes and it. And it won't change. Yeah. Right. And it's not going to change. Um, my roster thread that I created calling out a lot of these inconsistencies ended up getting them going in and trying to do silent updates. And the reason was, is because the tweet got around 4,000 likes. It got over a thousand shares and it hit Reddit. And Reddit had over 2,000 likes and it had thousands of impressions. So the thing is, if you make a big enough stink, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to try to do something. So, um, yeah, I agree. I I think it's ridiculous. And the the reason they've been able to get away with it for so long is because of that monopoly. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think, too, that the microtransaction thing, I don't play online, but it's so unfair to gamers um, having them shell out all of this extra money in order to build a player up and all that stuff and putting that pressure on people, on these kids and on these parents and all of that stuff. I think it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it's awful. The whole game, just everything surrounding it is ridiculous. I remember, like you said, if you make a big enough deal about it, they'll change it. I This YouTuber I watched, um, King of the Fourth Quarter, uh, pointed out that they had Giannis's mid-range uh, overall higher than Kawhi's at the start of the year, which is blasphemy, right? That's ridiculous. Right, so, right. LeBron, shot, LeBron shot around, I want to say, 32% from mid-range this year, and they had him at an A-. minus. Yeah, it, okay. it's absurd, but... He got them to change it, right? Like, he checked in the next time he's... And yeah. Ronnie2k tweeted back at him, because he's obviously a big creator. In oh, the I thought. Yeah. lied about Yeah, that. and he was yeah, like, he what are you saying... talking about? It's right. And and he brought up screenshots, like, it wasn't right when you dropped the game. They, they just... Yeah. yeah. If you guys me. haven't seen it, go check out my thread. And the reason why mm-hmm. is because I bring up that Ronnie2k situation in the yeah. thread. And I say, don't try this with me. Here is all my backup from the My Team website. Because yeah. on my team central, everything that I was showing in screenshots from game from the game were on my team central. So I was like, you can't just say it's me taking screenshots and that it didn't happen because here it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite mode that you play? You said you only play offline. I'm a, so my, I'm a my league guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, I also um, mod on PC. So I've I created a bunch of rosters for NBA 2K17. Um, I make flat cyber faces. Um, edit, you know, make courts. Uh, edit bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
do art updates and stuff like that. So. That's awesome. I'm a big Miley guy. I like going in and I, I haven't done it much this year because it's just so unplayable at this point, especially when they don't like, there's no rookies. It's just it, it, partially it's not their fault, right? Like, cause there are no draft yet. And like Corona obviously messed everything up, but well, you can't, you can't even use the draft class. Yeah. The players are in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem is too, is like all those roster issues that you're talking about. And I said this in thread too, you know, it would take you, over a hundred hours probably of dedicated time to really make it play the right way on the floor because of all of those tendency issues and rating issues and badge issues and signature issues and stuff like that. Um, if you really wanted to make the game mm-hmm. more fun and more playable and more to real life, you'd have to spend all that time yourself to try to make, you know, mm-hmm. a better roster. Because they're making enough money where it's not worth their time to do that because it's just like right. they're they're already rich. So, but yeah. Uh, anyways, before we start to wrap this, I'm I'm glad you remembered that, Sam, because I was totally yeah. going to speed by. Yeah, that, we were but, talking um, about it really because I I knew about the thread. I was like, yeah. oh my god, he has such great ideas about 2K. Mm-hmm. The two of us, we joined a league online, so we play a good amount. So mm-hmm. we've been doing it. So it's a good thing that we talked about. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Well, let me ask you this before we exit. Yeah, yeah. Because this is kind of in my wheelhouse too. Sure. If you had to pinpoint the single most frustrating thing about the gameplay. What is it? Uh, two things. Defense for sure. Mm-hmm. Because we play in this league again. We, it's a full league. There's 30 people in it. So, and there are certain people that are good. And there are certain players. Trey Young is one of them that he just drives. And no matter what you do, you cannot stop him. Mm-hmm. He runs pick and roll. The guy has eight and two. And you can't stop it. Uh, the other thing is, like I said, the shot timing system. Like, if I miss time it barely, I miss every time. Like, if that if that little line is over the like the green window, but it doesn't register as a green, you miss like every time. But if it's like like an inch off, or you know, like a, a small amount off, that there's a gap in between, I feel like I make more. And I, I just hate when people like it's just inconsistent. Like if you mm-hmm. if you don't green shots and it keeps going in. Like, what's the point of that? Being skill, a skill base, gap? Right? Yeah. 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 Give me a break. Uh, yeah. I, I got a couple. Um, we're in this league, right? Um, Zion is currently averaging, I think, like 70 oh points a game. It's the like... Zion guy. Well, this is another thing. You just can't stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... well, the problem, that's, the, that's one of the problems, not to interrupt you there. Um, yeah. But that's the same thing with Giannis um, and Zion. If they decide they're going to make a move to the hoop, mm-hmm. you're strapped. Because yeah. you're going to be caught on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And Andrew and I, who we do the NLSC podcast about basketball game, we talked about this. It always seems to like the AI plays at under different rules, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in my team or whatnot. I mean, you'll go down the floor and you'll miss wide open shots. Right. And then yeah. they'll come down the other end and hit a heavily contested three right with you in their grill. Or they'll make these incredibly tough layouts that they should never have hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you tried to do that, what do you think the chances are of you making? You're not making it. The, the AI defense is another thing. I hate that, like, they don't stay where they're supposed to yeah. stay. Like, if you play a zone, they just run in. Like, it, it makes playing team. defense even harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. or they double team after, like, one basket yeah. made. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it doesn't make any good. sense. Or they move out of the way on the break. One of my favorite things is – not one of my favorite things, one of the worst things, but – to laugh at one of my favorite things mm-hmm. is when you pass the ball in and you can just run up the sideline, go wide and score. Like exactly. yeah. I've done that's that. what people do in this league. Yeah. To do my team. 
um, to win my team games where the, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done trying to fake playing basketball. I'm just going to go get the win and I just pass it in and I go wide and I just score. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is that happening in 2020? Like this shouldn't yeah. be happening in a basketball game. Yeah. yeah. Um. Something else is the servers. Obviously, servers are terrible. Like you, you'd think for a multi like billion dollar game at this point, they'd have somewhat playable servers. Like I'm playing Park, right? I play Park with my friends, and it takes me just the sheer difference from shooting in Park to shooting offline when you're trying to play is ridiculous. Like it's impossible. Like you have to learn two different shot mechanics. But even with that annoyance, I think the biggest thing overall for me is just the entirety of the sim engine. Like I love my league. The idea of creating your own team and being the GM of a franchise, I think is a huge appeal to the game. Cause a lot of like kids out there just want to like, Oh, I'm the coach of the Celtics. Now I get to run this team. You go two years into the future and Alonzo balls a free agent because he wants $40 million and no one has cap space because they're paying bull bull 99 million dollars in free agency it just it makes no sense and let me ask you something though how many people how many kids are really going in there and wanting to have that experience that you're having See, i that, think it's just adults yeah they know right they the, the the makers of the game know that even if people are trying to do that and these kids are trying to do that how many of them are actually going to speak up about it and how many of those people yeah. are going to be loud enough for a change to be made mm-hmm. that is the problem it does suck i yeah. know I, I'm aware. I've tried it. I know how it works. I know how um, how ridiculous the averages come out. And you'll have guys that shoot four or five threes per game in real life, and you look at and they've shot like one or less a game because they just rushed the tendency mm-hmm. that didn't matter. So yeah, I know it's ridiculous. So it's it's crazy. It's it's something that, like you said, it probably won't change unless someone makes a big deal about it. But I don't see unless NBA Live comes back and is actually you know playable. <laughs> nothing nothing's gonna change the monopoly is what it is and uh, all these graphics we're seeing for next gen the hype like oh the graphics are gonna be better the game in my opinion probably still gonna be the same game it's just the graphics very similar yeah Um, we've already seen um, the skating that's still Mm -hmm. in next gen you saw lillard basically ski into a defender Mm -hmm. you saw tim hardaway jr floating above the air on his drive um, you saw a clipping where Draymond Green's arm went through um, went through a player. Um, you see basically the same body types as well. It just looks like more like enhanced lighting, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so I don't think this is going to be a big jump like 2K13 to 2K14 was. Um, and I do think that a lot of the gameplay issues are probably still going to be there because the gameplay video... Who, who mar- I just want to point something out. <laughs> if you're marketing a video game, why the hell would you show those clips? If you're <laughs> if you're showing off a game, like if you guys made a product, would you show off a clip, which they played it over and over again, where Damian Lillard, literally, they were talking about foot planning in this blog, and Damian Lillard is skiing into a defender. Like, why show that? How stupid can you be? Yeah. Like, why show these clips where Tim Hardaway goes to make a drive and they show it in slow motion after, and he's floating above the, he skates and then he floats above the court. Why are you promoting your game like this? It just doesn't make, it's like, it's like, Hey, this is what we're going to give you. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it up. This is what we're going to give you. Maybe that's the reason. They, I have no idea. Uh, I, I have no idea. And the, the skating thing too, when you kick it out for an open three pointer, they just step on the line and you get two. like, like even, off ball skating like the computer does it it's not just when you have the ball it's it's when you're running down the 
the court for a fast break, and Buddy Heald cuts into the defender that's sitting in the paint instead of just sitting in the corner. It, it it's, oh, yeah. like it's Buddy Heald, like one of the best shooters, yeah. and he's just they don't nah. run the floor. They don't run the floor properly. No. Um, they don't have the right people spotting up on the break, um, etc. Sometimes you'll be on the break and you'll have a big man with you, and he won't fill a lane. He'll go out to the three point line, and he's yeah. not. A- shooter it's yeah. like what are you doing like hassan whiteside what are you doing <laughs> like why are you fading out to the three-point line that doesn't make any sense okay but but then those defenders they stand like they sit at half court waiting for their guy and then the guy your opponent like this happened to me in our league the other night sam uh i'm like trying to stay on the fast break i'm controlling one guy to stop the fast break and i have yeah i think it was like chris boucher behind me right but the center he's supposed to be guarding is all the way on the other and side of the floor because he's slow and he stops and sits there and jalen brown just kind of walks around him i'm like i, I can't I control the ball i did a demo gameplay review of 2k18 and i showed clips and that exact issue was happening constantly in those 2k18 in, the, in 2k18 demo where the guy would just stop yep for no reason. Nope. It doesn't make any sense. No, intelli- no intelligence at all. Um, yeah, the defense is absolutely terrible. And, and a lot of times, too, your big guy, you can get easy baskets this way. He's just outrunning the jogging defenders behind him, and he's just running up the middle. Oh, of it happens to me all the time. It's very painful. It's, yeah, it, it's, it sucks. It's uh, not good for my heart, my, my blood pressure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. You shouldn't be having that problem. You're too young. <laughs> I don't think I am, but it, it'll it'll add up eventually. It'll add it up. It will. Yeah, start taking care of that now. Drop 2K. Oh, yeah. man. I have to document it. Maybe Jesus. I can get some money off. Yeah, sue 2K for heart pressure. <laughs> but um, I-, I could sit here and complain about 2K all day, but we should probably start to wrap it up. Um, Ronnie 2K, you suck. Uh, is there anything else? Just, you know, repeat your podcast. Say everything again. It's been a little while. R- remind people where to find yep. you. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you can reach me um, and listen to my podcast on hold uh, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Podcast Addict, uh, Spotify, etc. It's called Holding Court with D for Three. Um, episode 10 will be released shortly. Um, you can also find me if you do like basketball gaming on the NLSC. I'm a contributor over there. So that's the NBA Live Series Center. It's called the NBA Live Series Center, but it's like 99% 2K modding, etc. Because we don't have a live game. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter where I'm most active at D for 384, or you can check out my basketball gaming um, YouTube channel, uh, D for 3. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really fun. Uh, yeah. We don't have many guys that talk 2K, but that, that was, it was calming. It let me vent for yep. a little while, which was, which was nice. Uh, hey, yeah. if, they release, if, if they release a live or you guys want to jump on again and talk about next gen when it comes out, just don't hesitate to ask. Hell yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, maybe maybe we'll have to set up a podcast where we just talk about two uh, K. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. be interested. It'd be a very niche podcast, but I'd it, it'd allow me to <laughs> vent some of my anger. I, I'd, I'd like that. Um, you guys can follow me at Bannertown Jack. Uh, follow Derek D for three eighty four. Follow Bannertown USA on Twitter. I uh, really appreciate it. And Sam, take us out. Yeah. So uh, thanks again to Derek for coming on today. Uh, follow him. Follow Jack. Follow Bannertown, and you can follow me at Bannertown Sam. Uh, That's our show for today. Goodbye.